0: welcome to the berean bible prophecy podcast episode number seven this is bob mclaurin in nashville tennessee i wanted to make a quick podcast about a couple of items that uh, wanted that i've been looking at this week the two topics are the revelation 12 sign which is absolutely fascinating uh since it occurred in 2017 and then also Uh, oil and natural gas and i'll i'll get to revelation 12 first Um, you you're probably aware of it if you aren't i'll just recap it basically uh, let me read revelation 12 this is the king james and i'll read the first six verses but this uh, what we're going to look at is really the first couple of verses here we go and there appeared a great wonder in heaven A woman clothed with the Sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered now that's what we'll look at astronomically but I'll go ahead and finish the the thoughts here and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns And seven crowns upon his heads. And uh, let's see. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for as to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath prepared a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. Nelson Walters has a very good video about who is the woman in Revelation 12 or in the first two verses there, one and two. Um, He I like how he thinks outside of the box, and I'll leave a link to the specific video that I'm referring to in the show notes so you can check that out. I'll also leave a link to the uh, one of the better Revelation 12 sign uh, videos that I've seen. There's lots of them, lots of them and uh, this one it's really no commentary. It just shows you what is occurring uh, in the sky through One of the applications. I'm guessing it's Stellarium. But let me back up for those who've not heard anything about it. Um, In 2017, I became aware of this sign a month or two prior because Nashville, Tennessee was going to see a total solar eclipse, which was uh, very rare. I believe it was. 500 years maybe a thousand years for it to pass it it basically passed the diagonal of the country from uh, the upper northwest and uh, down through the Carolinas and it passed direct it actually passed directly over my town Goodlettsville which is a suburb of Nashville fascinating and with all that you know you Anybody who's even dabbling in prophecy, you just start looking at those kind of things as potential signs and things. Now, I I didn't see any scripture to think that this was something out of the ordinary regarding prophecy, but what it did make me aware of is just the expectation of other things that might be prophetic in nature. and. Somehow, some way, I became aware of this Revelation 12 sign that people were talking about. And uh, I was pretty late to the game. I think the earliest anybody that I saw was maybe a year, year and a half prior to it occurring. But essentially, what it is, is there was an astronomical uh, alignment of stars that absolutely perfectly represented the first two verses of revelation 12 and there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered and and what happened on september 23rd 2017 you could Using Stellarium, and I did it because I verify everything, I don't trust, I, I'll i just say any sources that I haven't, that I'm not familiar with, I will certainly check their work out. And, and really, I check everybody's work out, even if I trust them or not, because I want to see if they're exaggerating, trying to make something more than it actually is. And I think we saw that with the four blood moons. It was certainly a fascinating uh, cosmic event, but it kind of got stretched beyond what it actually was, and and that turned people off, created more potential scoffers, and so the and along the way, the twenty, the Revelation twelve sign, you could you could look into the future. And see the alignment of the stars. That's how you knew it was going to be September 23rd, and how it had, how those stars had moved uh, relative to the Earth, so that it presented this image in the constellation Virgo and Leo, and with other traveling stars. Uh, I don't have them all, but Venus, Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter being the main one representing the Christ child. But as you saw these move through the sky, this, this isn't, this isn't something that just happens every now and then, or even rarely it, it basically, it was a close alignment near the time, uh, what we would think as the birth of Christ 2000 years ago. But, a perfect alignment of of all of this. The sun was at the uh, the sun was at the head or shoulder of Virgo. The moon was at her feet, and there were uh, I think eight or nine stars in Leo to begin with, and then three or four more. Uh, traveled in, at least that's our perception from our orbit, traveled into this alignment so that they were all formed this crown of 12 stars at the head of the Virgo constellation. Now, when all this was going down, there was every extreme of commentary going on from this is the rapture to this is satanic astrological you know, you, you've seen it, you've heard it. And, uh, where I, where I came down with, I, I believe it is a hundred percent legit. There's no way that you could convince me otherwise that this wasn't a sign uh, or a roadmap, uh road sign on the way that signifying that we are getting close to the 70th week. Now, I wanted to go into more detail there because I never saw this as a... I didn't even see it as a potential rapture date because when I read Second Thessalonians 2, it's just... And without twisting, turning, redefining any kind of term to protect any precious doctrine like eminency or pre, pre-trib rapture or anything, when you just read it plain as day it says the rapture will not occur until uh, the great falling away which we've talked about earlier and the man of sin is revealed it you you have to bend that verse to make it say anything otherwise and so i was ne- i mean i was just never tempted to See that as, you know, holding your breath, potential rapture date. Now, In the past, before when I was pre-trib, anytime things like that came around, I certainly did. But now that I know better, uh, and I'm not a scoffer, but, but what this does is create even more scoffers. And let me tell you, it's not unbelievers that are scoffers. It is people within, it is Christians who are the scoffers. These people. I'm going to use the word church, but you understand I'm not talking about organizations. The church is believers within the organization uh, across the across the earth. But people in the church, and you know them because out of every thousand in a in a building, you might have a handful that are even interested in prophecy. The the way you are able to express yourself at all as online nowadays, because there's nobody, hardly anybody at all that you can talk to face to face and have a conversation. That's why there's so many podcasts and so many YouTube videos about this, because nobody in the current uh, structure of Christianity is either watchful or you know, even knowledgeable of what to look for, they just kind of—it's huh, you know, people have been talking about this for our whole lives. Whatever excuse they use, well, with all that, um, to me, this sign is indisputable because when you when you look at just the alignment that occurred on 23rd of September, it is stunning in its perfection of precision the uh it's something that wasn't there all along and nobody really knew to look for it until the last moment you know moment being within the last six months to a year and i haven't even heard who's who stumbled on it i i may have but i've forgotten now but uh i don't i don't even know how you would have seen this except by the the Grace of God opening somebody's eyes in order to uh, open them up to it and uh, a remnant to see it. So, you know, anybody who believes this, you really can't even talk about it because you're surrounded by scoffers. And again, those aren't unbelief. Well, they are unbelievers. They're in the church. But I'm not talking about Joe on the street who's never darkened the door of a church. I'm talking about. The person in your Sunday school class, if you're in a mainstream church, they didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue. And the pastors, they certainly aren't aren't up to speed on any of this. They avoid it like the plague because they're so afraid of dissension and causing a split and, or somebody going off the deep end in their opinion and, uh, losing even more membership because that's what they're, their number one goal is to grow that body, uh, or sustain it at least until somebody else takes it over. It, it has nothing to do with delivering the gospel, the true gospel. It is, uh, it is just maintaining a body and keeping that thing going. So, uh, you know, side rant, sorry, but Anyway, the icing on the cake of revelation 12 this sign is and this was shown at literally uh, in in weeks right before this sign but it was the Borisov comet and I I do remember a video of some guy finding this accidentally again accidentally in quotes because nobody's going to see this without uh, God's instruction there. But the Borisov Comet, it was given the name the Insemination Comet. And the video that I'm going to link you, uh, leave you the link to in the show notes, it's only about eight minutes and this covers it from start to finish. But this comet passes through, well, I'll back up. It's stationary for 99 point nine percent of its life Now i say stationary relative to our the perception uh from the perspective from the earth when you look at this comet which you wouldn't even know where to see it but when you look at it it is between cancer and gemini and the the video that i'm going to link this guy starts out at minus minus one hundred thousand bc so well beyond, uh, well, well beyond any any uh, history that anybody could conceive of, and he's going to show you a uh, the transition of this comet, and for roughly ninety thousand to roughly a hundred thousand years. Well, I'll back up. Let me. You know, it's it's a. It's a hundred thousand, he passes through zero BC, and the comet still doesn't move relative to the earth. And you fast forward and you get up into about uh, 2012, 13 and it starts to jitter. And when you get to like 2015 and 16, it enters the constellation of Leo. and it passes through, passes through as in it's moving across the sky. It passes through Leo and through his loins and ends up passing through the womb or enters the womb of Virgo, the constellation Virgo, the Virgin, on, uh, I believe, my note show, November 17th, 2016. And then, uh, so it passes through there. And that's why it's called the insemination comet, because it passes right into uh, Virgo's womb. And then it leaves, and he fast-forwards to plus 100,000 A.D., and it goes back to between where it started, between Cancer and Gemini. It is incredible. So this thing, in 200,000 years never moves except for about 3 years and and the probability is impossible to calculate this just doesn't happen except by design and for what the role it plays and the timing that it plays is incredible so it passes through the loins of leo enters the womb of Virgo and then leaves, it, thus the insemination comet, comet, and 41 weeks and four days, not, not a month, not a year, you know, 41 weeks, which the average gestation of a pregnancy is 40 weeks average, can be shorter, can be less. 41 weeks and four days later, Jupiter is birthed out of the womb. It travels and, and get this for, for that whole nine months or for the whole 41 weeks, Jupiter comes into uh, Virgo and it just stays there. I forgot the, uh, I don't remember the astronomical term, but it just sits there and it jitters in the womb of Virgo. And after 41 weeks, it exits. It exits through, you know, what would be the birth canal, I guess, of us if if a constellation has one, and and then, you know, now that's the 10th of September, and then the 23rd is where these traveling stars like Venus and, I'll throw Mars in there. I believe Mars was there as well, but they come in at the last moment and align with the other nine stars in Leo and form the 12 the 12 stars in the crown over Virgo's head it's just incredible so when you talk about the comet the Sun at her shoulder the moon at her feet the twelve stars at her head uh, the the whole gestation period of of uh, where Jupiter stays within the womb of Virgo, the constellation, and then exits 41 weeks later, and then the crown forms right over her head. It's an impossibility. There's no way to dispute this. Now, the scoffers are still going to find a way uh, to to poo-poo this and and, uh, diminish the importance of it. Again, I never saw this as a rapture sign, but I certainly saw it as wake up. Wake up and lift up your head. Pay attention. We're getting close to the 70th week. Now, if you're a pre-tribber, I saw I saw some well-respected pre-tribbers, well-respected within their own community, who were, you know, they were like ready for the rapture, and then it didn't occur. And so they started, because they saw the... Uh, the latter verses talk about this child being caught up into heaven. And, you know, and so were, that's the rapture. It's got to be the rapture. And, uh, you know, you see what you want to believe or you see what you believe. That's why we have to be Bereans and hammer and hammer. And we just have to see what the scripture says exactly in detail. and And you have to believe it. You have no choice if you want to know the truth. You have to believe what the scripture says. Now, most of the time, well, I won't exaggerate. A lot of times it's ambiguous, but there are other times it's crystal clear, at least in the light we have. And when it's crystal clear, we got to go with that. And like I said, right now, Second Thessalonians 2, unless you're just twisting it, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to accept the truth, which is not a pre-trib rapture. And people hate hearing that, absolutely hate hearing that. They will not hear of anything else. They won't even listen to the other evidence because they refuse the truth. They refuse it. So I I'm, don't know what else I have to bring about the uh, the Revelation 12 sign. Uh, well, one one finishing thought you know so I, I was watching another video this morning about a lady commenting on um she was wondering you know you you couldn't see this thing without a telescope and we live in a tech we live in an age where we have that technology where nowhere else in time except in the future would you have been able to see this and uh, and I would contend even the the technology that we have, like Stellarium and other astronomical programs, where you can go backwards and forwards in time and see star movements and comets move, you couldn't have done that 30 years ago or 50 years ago. You could have only done that recently uh, with the math. The you know we we've gone to where this would have only been available to somebody with nasa you know years ago to where anybody anybody with a cheap laptop could have seen this for themselves and it you know i did it i'm i'm a software developer so i've got a little bit of tech background but for the most part it didn't require much at all all it required was an interest in being watchful and proving this out and uh, I was just stunned. I Honestly, I expected to be there some exaggeration and hyperbole and hopefulness that this was, you know, and I was expecting it to be, you know, okay, they kind of blew this out of proportion. I was stunned at how accurate it was. And it excites me two years after the fact. It Just watching it again today and, and seeing it, my heart just starts pounding faster because it, I don't know how this could be anything other than wake up, we're drawing close to the 70th week. So, uh, and my final thought on this is if you if you look at Revelation 3 through 6, it it talks about, and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. Now we know that's referring to an antichrist kingdom specifically kings and then one of those eventually a little horn displaces three uh and and eventually sets himself up as god through the abomination of desolation so we know that's going to happen physically physically in the future but the fact that verses one and two were astronomical and reflected real events in the past I have a hundred percent expectation that th- verse 3 through 6 will also be astronomical in uh, uh, be available to be viewed astronomically uh, in the in the future just as those events are being uh, played out on earth in the physical, if you see what I'm saying. So what I've looked at is, is it possible for us to use the larium and look forward to whatever is represented by the red dragon, which there's a constellation, Draco the dragon, which, you know, good candidate for now until we know otherwise. Have no idea what seven heads and ten horns might be or seven crowns upon his heads. I don't know... How, if that's even possible, Uh, anything's possible, I guess, after the Rev 12 sign, but uh, the earlier part. But I don't know how that might play out astronomically. And, uh, And who knows? That may be something that is visible because as you get into the 70th week and tribulation comes upon... Uh, within that 70th week i'm not talking about god's wrath but tribulation upon the saints you know we we may not have the resources or time to be watchful through a telescope so that may be an event that is visible to everyone and we certainly know in revelation later on talks about a third of the stars being cast down uh and we see that in uh i'm i'm hoping that shows up elsewhere in revelation i know it's in revelation 12 but maybe it's repeated elsewhere so uh, but it's evidently representing the angels that may be in uh, 13 or 14 but have not read ahead on that you can do your homework there so that's all i've got Uh, and that's enough it is such a beautiful picture even if you know everything about it, upwards and forwards, backwards and sideways, I would recommend you go back and watch it again. It is, it, is, uh, it is stunning how precise it is. It will make your heart leap as many things are beginning to do these days. And there's no way it happens without God, God doing this. And it's never going to happen again. Never going to happen again. So you can be a witness to an incredible sign. Now I'll close with this other part. I said I'd talk about oil and gas, and this is more of a uh, just observation. You know, anytime there's a skirmish about anything in the Middle East, and it might revolve around oil or whatever or anything, doesn't even have to. Somebody comes out with another book about you know how Armageddon's going to be fought over oil or whatever. There's oil shortage, gas shortage, all that kind of stuff. Again, you test everything. And maybe that does happen. But let me tell you what I've seen. You do a quick Google search, and this doesn't take but five to 30 minutes on huge oil discoveries, huge natural gas discoveries. You can look at 2017, 18, 19. Let me tell you, every single week, There is a massive discovery uh, being found around the globe. Every country, every country in the world is finding oil or natural gas or both off of their coast or inland, wherever they're drilling. I mean, it's I listed a few of the uh, big ones for 2019. And let me tell you, Cyprus found... 5 to 8 trillion cubic feet of natural gas in February this year. Israel has so much. This is incredible. Israel has found so much oil and natural gas off of their coast. And get this, they consume less than 1% of it. The whole nation of Israel consumes less than 1% of what they refine, what they pull out of the ground, and refine. They have so much oil and natural gas that they can't sell it all. They're choking on it. And and if that's not unbelievable, get this. they've They've found so much offshore. I don't even think they've opened those reserves from 2010 onward. They're finding them, and they still can't get rid of it. Because They can't move it fast enough. There's so much of it. And they don't use, I mean, they're using all they want. They're literally swimming in it. Now, you might say, oh, yeah, well, that's going to cause Russia. You know, everybody, every guy that's ever written a book says Russia's going to come get their oil and all that. And maybe they do. But let me tell you, every other country is finding oil and natural gas as well. Egypt, huge natural gas discovery. Iran huge natural gas discovery over 400 million barrels condensate we're talking about gas that's been concentrated down to a liquid 400 million barrels and it burn natural gas burns cleaner than anything uh, China one of their discoveries 500,000 cubic feet per day is what their their Harvesting—I don't know what the right term is for natural gas—but harvesting that, uh, the Cyprus fine was the largest in two years. Um, Guyana, get this, Guyana—you know they're nobodies. They found 5.5 billion barrels, and their their GDP for the year is four billion. And this oil find alone is worth five billion per year. Five billion per year. It's more than their their gross domestic product in a single year. Now this is happening in South Africa. Uh, at one point, I had a list, a bigger list, top ten, and it's Iran, Afghanistan, the Middle East. Um, Mauritania had the largest discovery of the of the year uh, of either oil or natural gas. And it's on the northwest uh, coast of Africa. It's below Morocco and uh, Mauritania. I mean, literally every corner of the globe, every country, big and small, are finding oil deposits. And the point I'm trying to make is just don't, Swallow these blanket statements that that these guys say. I mean, they're they're well-meaning, but but you know the next oil, you know the next crisis in the Middle East is going to be over oil, blah blah blah. Well, it sounds right until you start fact checking and you look and you go, it's probably you know it may be, but it's probably not going to be fought over oil. It's going to be fought over something else. Maybe it's water, but right now the world is swimming in oil even though the the population of china and other countries are consuming more and more by the week there's still there's still so much being found so my whole point is fact check everything even what i say do not do not take anybody's word because it's just And the reason is, and these are, you know, I'm sure they're well-meaning people, but they use it to build other, they use these, these quote facts and statements to build their pet theories on. And after one guy says it, another guy repeats it, and then it's set in stone. And before you know it, there's already a doctrine built on it. And, uh, and, and it's in, it's, almost impossible to talk people out of false doctrine uh, that, or doctrine belief that's built on uh, assumptions. And I mean, you run across this all the time. People just don't want to know the truth. They just believe what they want to believe. And that that is in everything from prophecy, global warming, uh, politics you name it. Religion, people, most people, except for the remnant, just believe what they want to believe. And there's a lot of nice, loving people, a lot of grandmas, granddads, a lot of preachers, people who have given their life in service to God. And they just, they're uh, a a lot of what they have lived for and given their life for is built on assumption and uh anyway so what i got for this week i will check back with you as uh things prompt me to uh, return to you with uh neat stuff thank you for being here love you god bless you bye